0: Praise the Lord. Amen. Okay, shall we pray? In Jesus' name. Our heavenly Father and our God, we thank you. Thank you, Daddy, for today. A new day, another gift. We thank you. We also thank you for the privilege to stand before you. It's an honor. Father, we're asking that this morning, Father, you speak to us individually. You know your children's needs. Minister to each of us at the points of our needs. At the end of this whole thing, Father, your name will be glorified and our joy shall be full. In Jesus' name we pray. Hallelujah. I welcome you today to Fountain of the Living World Church. And those of you watching online, we also welcome you. Amen. So today we're going to look at... Praise God, give me a second. So So we're going to be looking at the Lord, our righteousness... The Lord our righteousness. I want you to say that the Lord my righteousness. Amen. Because most of us, I don't know, I don't know about you, but me, it was something new to me. It was totally new to me. We know the word, we know we've had it before. But if I stand up and begin to ask, what is righteousness? Most of us will not give you the definition. We can't even explain it, I'm sure people like me, maybe all of you can, but I know it's something new for me, amen? The Lord our righteousness, my text is Jeremiah 23, five to six. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up to David a righteous branch sprout, And he will reign as king and do wisely and will execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, justice shall be saved and Israel shall dwell safely. And this is his name by which he shall be called the Lord, our righteousness. Praise God. So I began to wonder I have never, like I said before, it's new to me. So I said to look at righteousness. I went to the dictionary definition of righteousness. It says the quality of being morally right with reference to the principles of right and wrong behavior. Or justifiable, able to be shown to be right or reasonable. Defensible. Praise the Lord. Then I'm going to the biblical meaning. I said biblical righteousness is the quality of being right in the eyes of God, including character, nature, conscience, attitude, conduct, action, and command, word. So it says righteousness is therefore based upon God's standard because he is the ultimate law giver, praise the Lord. And then I wanted a layman's definition of what righteousness is. And then I went on, I think I had looked at um, Andrew Womack's ministry. He says, it can also be said to be the ability to stand in the presence of God without the sense of sin, guilt, or inferiority. Praise the Lord. So a layman's definition of righteousness is simply right standing with God. Righteousness is a condition of being in right relationship with the Lord. So this can only happen through total faith and dependence upon Christ. Praise God. So I began to look at myself, how do I define it? So I'm like, well, righteousness, going by what I see in the book of uh, Romans, chapter three, I see righteousness is an attribute, and nature of God, which characterizes his actions, both morally and ethically, based on his standard. So according to Romans 23, it says righteousness is a free gift by his grace and cannot be earned or merited. Exactly. You cannot earn it, you cannot merit it. As we go along, you will see why. So Romans 3.20, I want us to start looking at there because it gave me a reference when I was looking at the definition. That is a biblical definition referred me to Isaiah. Praise the Lord, I think I, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't get that, praise God. So righteousness is an attribute, like I said before, of God, which characterizes his actions. And then when I look at Romans 3, 20, it says, For no person will be justified, freed of guilt, and declared righteous in his sight by trying to do the works of the law. For through the law we become conscious of sin, So you see where this same consciousness comes from? It's from the law, works. Trying to get God to do something. Trying to do something to get God to do something for you. Trying to work so hard, just trying to do a lot of, trying to do something, just to aim something, to get something from God. So it says, for no person will be justified, freedom of guilt and declared righteous in his sight by trying to do the works of the law. For through the law we become conscious of sin and the recognition of sin, directs us towards repentance, but at least it provides no remedy for sin. But now the righteousness of God has been clearly revealed independently and completely apart from the law, though it is actually confirmed by the law and the words and writings of the prophets So this righteousness of God comes through faith in Jesus Christ for all those Jews, Jew or Gentile who believe and trust in him and acknowledge him as God's son. There is no distinction. God doesn't have distinctions. Since all have sinned, since all have sinned and continually fall short of the glory of God. See, when sometimes we look at people, God goes with continuously, Somebody does something once, you condemn them, you judge them. God says continuously, so I say continually sinning. That's where it becomes a problem. He says, apart from the glory of God, and I've been justified, declared free of the guilt of sin, made acceptable to God, and granted eternal life as a gift by his precious undeserved grace. Through the redemption, the payment for our sin, which is provided in Christ, Christ Jesus. So I've read a lot of things. I don't intend to get you confused. I just want to throw this out then before we start our work. But before then, I wanted like to go back to say where it says um, sin consciousness. It says the recognition. You begin to recognize which one is sin. Did I sin? But I'll share this with you. But before I share this, he says, it, you know, it directs you towards repentance, but provides no remedy for sin. The Lord will just point you to something, tells you you are sinning. I'm trying to handle this light. It just blinds me. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So the Lord knows how to point you, focus you, accuse you, condemn you of something. It does not give you a way out. No remedy. So I remembered, um, I think it's Watchman Lee. When I read, that was in my early days as a new baby. You know, my kid brother, who happens to be, you know, the giant. He has his own church in London, he was a baby. He started before us and he prayed us in. So I remember the book he gave me. He says, he was talking about grace and law. So when I read this, I just remembered what I read there. He says, law is just as good as grace. He says, but he's going to give me an example. It's like a woman married, you know, to a husband, the law. How do you get rid of him? So you can marry somebody else. You cannot do that. The word of God, you cannot kill it. The law is good. demand, is everything just like grace. But that's a difference. What do you need to do? Say, you die. And when you die, you're buried. The law cannot follow you beyond the grave. You understand? He says, but then you now rise in a newness of life, and now you're married to this guy, Grace. There are two different things. The Lord tells you what to do, He doesn't lift a finger. Like some husbands we know, whether you clean the house, cook the best dish, wash the kids, do the laundry, some of us will just sit and watch TV without lifting a finger. I'm sorry. Ha ha. Day or day, oh you see, I'm here again today. So it's like that. This is all the law does. The, Lord, the Bible says the law is good, it's honorable, it's everything. It tells you what to do. And then grace tells you the same thing. But here the difference comes: Grace will give you a hand. Grace doesn't only give you the hand, grace does it through you. Praise the Lord. The grace of God is awesome. I'm too glad that you're a child of God. Grace, but for His grace. Grace demands everything that the Lord demands. The Lord doesn't lift a finger, the Lord just throws His leg. You just missed it. You missed the score. Yes, you missed that one. You've missed 10 out of 10. But grace comes along and begins to help you, goes all the way and do it. Praise the Lord. So that is what I'm seeing here. This law is one that creates, originates this sin consciousness. The story I was going to share, I don't know how long I have it. I'm going to take my time to do this. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I'll come back. <laughs> if they'll give it time. I'll come back and finish it. So I was just sitting. A sister called me. So in our course of talking, we were sharing. So she was sharing something like what I just said a while ago you know, about my precious, precious brothers, including my son, my husband, and all of them. Then she said, oh my God, this place. Back home, she would have had a maid, she would have probably two of them. One will go to the school in the morning, one goes in the afternoon. This day one comes back, and then the evening one goes, and then they have a boy, somebody that stays at the gate that helps her with other, you know, kind of um, gate man and washing and stuff. She said that she does the whole thing. She cooks, she cleans, she does, she does that. She said, oh, that she's just missing Nigeria. There's too much here. And then she said what my mom says in my, you know, my language says, I'll translate, I'll just. She said, you do that of the man. You do that of the woman. You go and do that of the child. And you should do the adult portion too. One person. So at the end of this whole discussion, we were laughing, having fun. And me, like my usual self, I was cracking up. Thank God, my went to school in Seattle in the 70s. We went to school. All those guys in the 70s, they can cook, they can clean. He cooks better than me. I was just running my mouth like that. I some sometimes she called back. Sister, do you think we're sinning? Were we gossiping? Do you think... I'm telling you from the pulpit here before God. said, do you think we committed sin? I think maybe we're just gossiping. I said, gossiping. I said, I don't think so. I was just sharing what I went through in the 70s. You are sharing yours. We've not mentioned anybody. So how <laughs> is it gossiping? You see, sin consciousness. She was so condemned that she had to call me. And then I think when she was calling me, for me to say something to encourage her, it is not sin. And I said it from the bottom of my heart. I don't know what you're talking about, unless you have something else in mind. Me, that is the beginning Genesis and that's revelation. That discussion, that's all. Praise the Lord. Sin consciousness, sin consciousness. We should be very careful as we go along. We're going to say a lot of things, you know, about sin consciousness. So I said to go back from the beginning, and then I'm looking at. I went to it. Um, oh boy, it's dry. Jeremiah, our text, it says prophesied about this branch, and this we know that the prophecy has been fulfilled in our Lord Jesus Christ. Our text that talks about the Lord our righteousness. He says, the name by which he shall be called shall be what? The Lord, our righteousness. As you live here today, if nothing else sinks in, it's a new day. The Lord, your righteousness. The more you talk about him that way, the more you get to understand, the more you get to know more about righteousness, your rights. Right, you know, your rights, you know, because of your righteousness. There are certain things, benefits that you get because you're righteous. Praise the Lord. So I saw a picture of Jesus who will come from the line of David and reign as king. And this is the name by which I've started calling him, the Lord my righteousness. So I go back to Romans one, I begin to read about righteousness. He says, I have a message. Please can I, I, Daddy please can you give me water? Tongue is like. So, I go back to Romans. I look at chapter one. Thank you. me. Thank you. So, I go back, Romans one. I'm doing Amplified. It says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation. And then I'm looking at who wrote it. He said he's not ashamed of the gospel. Believe me, some people are very much ashamed of the gospel. He boldly said he's not ashamed. God bless you, my God. So he said he's not ashamed. So why is he not ashamed? It is the power of God. This whole God. You begin to imagine whoa so the gospel the good news is the power of god people will say where is your power right this is his power paul tells us that the power of god is the gospel praise the lord the power of god for what for what children of god for what we should know that now you see for salvation salvation from what From the wrath and punishment to everyone who believes, to everyone who believes in Christ as Savior, the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, both springing from faith and leading to faith, disclosed in a way that wakens more faith. In this same gospel, in this same power, the power of God, the power for salvation to save you and I that has already saved us and we keep saving us. I know our salvation has um, many things, all inclusive, but now I'm talking about salvation proper from the wrath and punishment. Praise the Lord. It is the power of God to everyone that believes, whether you're a Jew or not a Jew this is the power of God and he says this same power is being revealed is being revealed both springing from faith and leading to faith this in a way that awakens more faith the more you go into the gospel this good news and you read it the more you're reading it what is happening you get more revelation about what the power of God about faith and the more you read the more and more you read you're getting more disclosure in a way that awakens more faith in you as it is written and forever remains written the just and all shall live by faith that's why you have the power to live by faith in that gospel praise the lord the word of god i like the tpt he says i refuse to be ashamed Of the wonderful message of God's liberating power. Liberating is like setting free, right? English people, teachers, students. Liberating power. Unleashed in us through Christ. Wow. That power that liberates you is unleashed. This God is an awesome God. It's unleashed in there, in your spirit. Your hidden man, that inner man, that is who you are. This power is unleashed in you through christ he says i am thrilled to preach that everyone who believes is saved the jew first and then people everywhere he said this gospel unveils a continual revelation of god's righteousness you want to know about righteousness the more you go to the gospel the more revelation you get about the righteousness we're talking about. I don't want to call it the righteousness of you or whoever. I'm just going with righteousness. You see why? More revelation of God's righteousness, a perfect righteousness given to us, to you and I when we believe. You see, and it moves us from receiving life through faith. To the power of living by faith. The more you read, the more revelation, the more you receive power. Because so it says that just shall live by faith. Where does that power come from? Where does it come from? The same gospel, the more you read it, the more you understand. And the more power you have for living by faith. This is what the scripture means when it says we are right with God. Through life-giving faith, the gospel, righteousness. This woman is talking so much about the gospel and righteousness. When I go home, I want to, you know when I said read Romans 6? Today I'm saying go back and read Romans 3, Romans 5. You need to learn about the righteousness. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Ask yourself, what does that mean? My mother will say, if you don't even know what it means. You need to know what it means. Then you know what's your benefit. Praise the Lord. Romans 3 19 to 22. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that the murmurs and excuses of every mouth may be hushed and all the world may be held accountable to God. For no person will be justified made righteous, acquitted, and judged acceptable in the sight of God, that is in his sight, by observing the works prescribed by the law. You're not going to get acquitted or justified or get righteous because you're keeping the law. It can never give you, can never get, why would Christ come if the law would have done it? Praise the Lord. Christ wouldn't have come now. He says nobody can get it. For the real function of the law is to make men recognize and be conscious of sin. There it goes again. Not mere perception, but an acquaintance with sin, which works toward repentance, faith, and holy character. It will not give you a handle. It will not tell you, how do I get about, how, how, how do I get to this um, righteousness? It just tells you, you're sinning, points out every sin to you. But now the righteousness of God has been revealed to us. To you and I independently. And altogether, apart from the law, it is not hasn't to do with the law. Although actually it is attested by the law and the prophecy talked about it, namely the righteousness of God, which comes by believing with personal trust and confident reliance, reliance on Jesus Christ, the Messiah. It is meant for all who believe for there is no distinction. So this righteousness of God, like we saw in verse um, 21 and 22 of Romans 3, where is it again? In Christ. He said it is witnessed by the prophets. And Jeremiah, our text, our prophet is saying, this is what he is to be called. God gave him a name, and that name is what? The Lord, our righteousness. I come to ask you now, as we go on, You begin to ask, why must he be called the Lord our righteousness? We've been seeing the righteousness of God, the righteousness of God, the righteousness of God. But Jeremiah said, he is the the Lord my righteousness, the Lord your righteousness. We are getting there, amen? So Philippians 3.9 says, and that I may actually be found and known as in him. This is Paul, the man who has it all. Now listen to him. Paul wants to be found actually. He he wants actually to be found and known as in him. Not having any self-achieved. If anybody would achieve anything, man, you know it's Paul now. Well-read, well-educated, well-everything, amongst the governing class, everything. But he said he wants to be found only in this righteousness. Righteousness that can be called his own righteousness based on his obedience to the law, uh, not based on his obedience to the law's demands. Those ritual, they say ritualistic uprightness and supposed right standing with God, thoughts acquired. You acquire it because of your uprightness, your right standing with God through the law. Is that not the one he's talking about? That's not the one he wants. But he wants to possess that genuine righteousness which comes through faith in Christ, the anointed one. The truly right standing with God. That is the right, the true one. That right standing with God is the one that comes from him. That is the true righteousness that Paul is talking about. He's craving and praying for. It comes from God by saving faith. And as you live here to let it be your one desire. Stop all this work. It's not about keeping the law. It's not about works. It's about trusting him to get that righteousness that comes from him, his own righteousness. Praise the Lord. So we've been going through this righteousness of God. Why did Jeremiah call him the Lord, our righteousness? So we're going to look at this righteousness, like I've said, as I read, I went to. My goodness, oh, okay, but it's one of those places that says um, a person is right. A person's righteous. It says coram I don't know what that means. Coram And then I went to look it up. It's a Latin phrase translated meaning in the presence of God. The righteousness that comes from God. That is. That one is in a right relationship with God when he simply receives the imputed obedience. Why is it imputed? Why is the righteousness imputed? Why is the obedience imputed? It didn't come from you. It's not yours. Praise the Lord. It was just credited to you. It's not yours. Like we saw in Abraham who believed God, it was counted to him as what? Righteousness. This righteousness is passive, apart from the law. He said, a human person is not righteous in God's eyes because of his choice or commitment, his good works or his piety, his emotions or intellect. Instead, he is righteous because the Father chooses him from the foundation of the world. Ephesians 1, 3 to 14, and declares him righteous on account of Jesus is atoning death and justifying resurrection. Praise God. So, and I'm asking, the Lord our righteousness. Jeremiah calls him the Lord our righteousness. I'm still not getting why. He's the Lord our righteousness. And then it is imputed on us. Since it originally belongs to God, I understand that it is credited imputed to us. So how, how did we get there? The Lord being our righteousness. 1 Corinthians 1:30, he says, But it is from him that you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, revealing his plan of salvation. He became wisdom to us and righteousness, making us acceptable to God. Hmm and sanctification, making us holy and setting us apart for God. And also redemption, providing our ransom from the penalty for sin. So Christ is made unto us righteousness, making us acceptable to God. So righteousness, you can see this, it's talking about justification. It gives the reason why, He should be called the Lord our righteousness. The righteousness is his. It doesn't come from you. It is just credited to your account. Praise the Lord. The next passage, let's look at Romans 3, 21 to 24. But now, independently of the law, the righteousness of God is tangible and brought to light through Jesus, the anointed one. This is the righteousness that the scriptures prophesied could come. It is God's righteousness. It is whose righteousness? God's righteousness. You don't have any of yours. It's a gift. This righteousness is a gift. As we go on, we see why we need to know what and what this righteousness represents for us. Praise the Lord. So, and now all who believe him receive that gift. But there is really no difference between us. For we all have sinned and are in need of the glory of God. Yet through his powerful declaration of acquittal, like, okay, go. You're free. You're free to go. Acquittal. God freely gives away his righteousness. He freely gives it away. Every single one of us, we have the same righteousness None is better than the other. Unless, of course, that of Adam, we know with us, is better than his. Praise the Lord as we go along. So all the righteousness, it comes from God, and it's a free gift to you. It's a free gift to me. His gift of love and favor now cascades over us, all because Jesus, the Anointed One, has liberated us from the guilt, punishment, and power of sin. Jesus liberated you and I from what? Guilt, punishment, and power of sin. All I can think about is it has to do with sin. You cannot stand before this holy God whose eyes are too holy to behold iniquity. And I began to remember when Jesus was made sin, God turned his back because his eyes are too holy to behold what? Iniquity, his own son so you will know just how this righteousness means god's own righteousness that he imputed on us you see the importance how else can you stand before him with this garment of shame sin and everything you have to have this righteousness for you to be able to stand before this all holy god praise the lord he is our, lord our righteousness second corinthians 521 Reading AMP. He said, He made Christ who knew no sin. I, think I was a little bit ahead to judicially be sin on our behalf, so that in him we would become the righteousness of God. That is, we will be made acceptable to him and placed in a right relationship with him. By his gracious, loving kindness. You see, God's plans. Jesus, because nobody, no, he says, he said the whole world stands guilty before him, for all have sinned, and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. But we are his precious, precious possession. So he needed to do something. Jesus had to do it. Praise the Lord. The sinless one, he made him sin. Look at this exchange. He took our sin and laid it on him, and his righteousness now credited to us. Praise the Lord! He became sin. He made him sin. So we we have a kind of two kinds of imputation here. One, the sin was imputed on him. The Bible says he knew no sin, but he was made sin. So you see the imputation there on him, and then we ourselves. That new sin, that our sin, what did he do? His own righteousness is now imputed on us. Praise the Lord. God imputed his righteousness to us who had no righteousness of our own. Amen. Uh, let me see why Mark TPT. must have said something. He said, for God made the only one who did not know sin to become sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Through our union with him, that identification comes again. So we are the righteousness of God, of all. Look, can you imagine? He made us, we became his righteousness. And I'm reading. Really, I'm like, I, I told my husband, I said, wow, this God. How can I be the righteousness of God? I understand what is my righteousness. But I, I had seen, I said, little me. And so I said, God, what are you saying, little me to go into the world? And I'm like, little us? God, wow, how he must esteem us so highly priceless. Amen. So now we became the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Where his heart beats, nothing can be this. Jesus declaring you, us, through this, you know, Paul, that you are his righteousness. Righteousness. Praise the Lord. He made him who knew no sin to be seen, so that you and I will become the righteousness of God. Isn't that? That's something else, right? Praise the Lord. It's just like... I think uh, it's okay. it's okay. So we are His righteousness. We are God's precious possession, His righteousness. So look at that. One. He becomes her righteousness. Let's look at Romans three twenty six. It was, why? Why? Why did he become his righteousness? It was to demonstrate and prove at the present time in this season that he himself is righteous and that he justifies and accepts as righteous him who has true faith in Jesus. He cannot justify you. Without that righteousness, praise the Lord. And what did he do? He did it himself through his son. T.P.D. says, and when the season of tolerance came to an end, there was only one possible way for God to give away his righteousness. Only one way for him to give give out his righteousness. That is his attribute. That is his nature. But he cannot just give it to Swines, praise the Lord. So what did he do? He can't have you stand before him like that. It has to be through Jesus. So God, that is the only way for God to give away his righteousness and still be true to both his justice and his mercy to offer up his own son. So now because we stand on the faithfulness of Jesus, God declares us righteous in his eyes. Praise the Lord. He said, just God, this sin has to be paid for. He can't just declare you righteous, you know, with all the sin and everything. No. His son had to do it. His son had to do it. And then it's now for you when you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That righteousness becomes yours. Praise the Lord. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Hmm, let me see if I can move faster. So we now see why the Lord is our righteousness. We saw those scriptures. We saw the most you know, important, the one that for me, that you know, teaches me, does more, is that 2 Corinthians five twenty-one, Where Jesus, that divine exchange, we saw two imputations there. One, the uh, sin was imputed on him, and then his righteousness was on us, praise God. Okay, um, let's look at. So the Bible said all have sinned. So I went back to see Adam and Eve. These people that God created in his own image. I'm looking at that time. Okay. As his own image, he put them in a garden, furnished everything for them. But they sinned. They were already made in the image of God. But then the devil, Satan had to deceive them. Okay? So if they eat that apple, they will be like him. They were already like him. So when they sinned, they lost their righteousness. They lost their right standing before God. That righteous nature that they had, they lost it. No more innocence. He became guilty of that trans of sin, transgression. He didn't keep God's command. His original character, that uprightness, that righteousness was lost completely. And there has to be punishment, like we saw. Somebody had to pay before God would now be an act, would not do that act, which might now, if God would had done it anyhow, just declare them righteous, it would have questioned his integrity or the integrity of his justice. Because man cannot produce the kind of righteousness that is required. It must be produced by God Himself. Praise the Lord. Um, we read Second Corinthians. Now let's go to. So as soon as you get born again, as soon as you know you you know, you get born again, you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. What happens? what Jesus Christ did. He sees everything that Jesus did as if you did it. Everything that Jesus went through, he was what? Your substitute. Substitute for sickness. Substitute for sin. So whatever he did, Jesus did. God sees you as the one doing it. Praise God. God considers you and I, though it was Christ, but then he looks on us as though his life, what has, whatever had happened, has happened by you, and then he turns around and accepts you, blesses you, rewards you, praise the Lord. So when we fell, our people will say, "May he Adam." Yes, Adam sinned by imputation, and then what you should know is that the next thing that comes again is that we're going to rise. By the same word, imputation, and that's what we saw. Jesus was made sin, and we were made righteous. Let's look at the nature of God before this whole thing, this whole drama. God's nature, the state of his being, was, you know, the very essence of God's being is righteousness, and what? Holiness. He was righteous and holy. And the same thing he did exactly for Adam. Adam's... Spiritual nature before the fall was also righteous and holy, morally blameless, measuring up to God's standard of moral perfection. He was holy, he was sinless, he was pure, he was set apart for God. So that was how when he sinned, he went into spiritual death, spiritual, he, he died, Spiritually. And spiritual death, now, when you go to Romans 5, we we'll see spiritual death, none did what? Spread to the whole world. Man has to be redeemed. And for God to redeem and restore man, Jesus had to come. He had to restore you back to righteousness and holiness. And according to the Bible, when you look at um, Luke 3.38, do you know Adam was called the son of God? Look at Luke. That's why you should be very careful. Very careful. Don't think you've arrived. Adam was called. Canaan was the son of Enosh. Enosh was the son of Seth. Seth was the son of Adam. Adam was the son of God. This same Adam was the son of God. So let you or I that think we stand, take heed lest we fall so man sinned we saw the fall and then we'll look at Romans we we'll look at Romans 5 12 it says, therefore just as sin entered world the world through one man and death through sin and in this way death came to all people because all sinned because it is by imputation and then we begin to see the effects of the fall a lot first of all man was separated from God In the garden, Adam and Eve, they had their perfect communion with God, fellowship with God, but when they rebelled against God, the fellowship was what? Broken. They broke the fellowship. They now became aware of their sin, and they were ashamed before him. That's what sin consciousness does. As soon as you find yourself in that situation where you know you have done certain things you're not supposed to do, certain things you're not supposed to say, what happens, you begin to draw back. Fellowship, you will not go to. Like in Nigeria, once they start missing fellowship like that, you begin to worry. You need to visit, something is happening. And that's what happened, Adam became ashamed. Ashamed before God, that used to come down and they would fellowship together. Same consciousness has come. And that way, man has been doing the same thing too. Sometimes you don't feel like praying because you know you don't feel up to it. But believe me, you don't need to feel that way because it's a done deal. He said he has forgiven. Once he made a provision, there's provision for that. John 1, 9, is it 1 John? John 1, 9 says, when you confess your sin, God is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. The fellowship is restored again, you continue. But no, the devil will not want you to do that. He wants to accuse you more and more. You didn't even pray this morning, child of God. You call yourself a pastor. You were angry at that man because of what you did. You call yourself a child of God. You said this, you said that. You call yourself a child of God. How many times did you even study the word of God today? No matter how many times you study it, it will not be enough for the devil. Praise the Lord. It will not be enough accusation because he's the accuser of the brethren. So only through Christ can that fellowship again, be restored, because in him you are all made as righteous and sinless in the eyes of God. So Adam and Eve, they were sinners. Now they, they, they sinned, and so they lost it all. God made him who had no sin to do what? To become sin for us. And because of the fall, death became sin. A reality, if death came in, a lot of things came in, they lost their dominion, they lost their, um, they lost their, before I quote, I misquote, let me go. They lost their innocence, the fellowship was done. The Bible tells us about people, in, it talks talked about Romans 1, it talks about how these people incur the penalty of physical and spiritual death. Their mind was darkened by sin as the minds of their successors. He gave them over to depraved mind. That's what happened too when Adam and Eve also sinned. So the fall produced a lot of things, depravity in them. And in that state, they just couldn't. They just couldn't continue. Praise the Lord. They felt ashamed. They felt guilty. They hid from God, and all those things. I just was sin. They became sin conscious. They said, "Of knowing what well, you said, you wanted to know. God doesn't want you to know what He knows." But now, all you know now is what evil. They are covering their nakedness. They were ashamed. This is what happens: sin consciousness. And that is what the law helps us to do. It points out everywhere you've gone wrong. Let's look at the nature of man in these states. Ephesians two eleven 11 to 13. He says, therefore, remember that at one time, you also and myself were Gentiles, heathens, in the flesh. We called on circumcision by those who call themselves circumcision, itself a mere mark in the flesh, made by human hands. Remember that you were at that time separated living apart from christ excluded from all parts in him utterly estranged and outlawed from the rights of israel as a nation and strangers with no share in the sacred compacts of the messianic promise with no knowledge of or rights in god's agreement his covenant, and you had no hope, no promise. You were in the world without God, but now in Christ Jesus, hallelujah, you who once were so far away through by in the blood of Christ having brought near. So that you see the fallen man, he had no hope, no God in the world, spiritually dead, partake the nature of Satan. Satan became, you know, their dad, yes. They now had his nature. He had no standing with God. No citizenship. No legal rights. A convict, just like a convict, praise the Lord. He's in union spiritually with God's enemy, Satan. His nature is enmity against God, where we just read. He's not subject to the will of God and cannot be until he is recreated. Why? Look at Romans 8, 7. Because the carnal mind is enmity. The carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Praise the Lord. When you see yourself begin to complain and quarrel and fret and all that stuff, your senses are now in control. Instead of the Spirit of God being in control, your senses are taking over dominance in your life. that are governing you. Praise the Lord. And we see the result I was talking about earlier. I don't want to misquote. So the righteousness now was done. The are righteousness, the Lord's fellowship, the law's dominion, and then sin consciousness now came in. In that garden where they had a perfect fellowship with God, nothing works anymore. Praise the Lord. They lost everything. And so how could God reconcile man to himself? How could God legally restore man to his lost righteousness and still be himself? We read part of it earlier. That means how can God make man, you and I, righteous then and restore him to perfect fellowship? And we saw that the only way was God doing it himself. That's why he sent Jesus Christ, praise the Lord. And it was in a legal way. Look at Romans 3, 26. He did it in a legal way. And when the season of tolerance, I think I read it before, tolerance came to an end, there was only one possible way for God to give away his righteousness and still be true to both his justice and mercy, to offer up his own son. So now, because we stand on the faithfulness of Jesus, God declares us righteous in his eyes. It was to demonstrate and prove at the present time, in the now season, that He Himself is righteous, and that He justifies and accepts us as righteous who have true faith in Christ. And the goal there, in this redemption, was for God. The goal of this redemption is for Him to restore us back, both back to what righteousness and holiness. He wants to restore us back to righteousness and holiness. Praise the Lord. Okay. Let us look at Ephesians 4, 24. So we said that the goal of um, redemption was to restore both righteousness and holiness into your nature again so righteous and holy is what god wants us to be he wants us to become as new creations and look at Ephesians for so just told us that is what you are because now you're now recreated and it says that ye put on the new man that is how god wants you to be that's how he sees you put on this new man which is after god is created You're created after God. You're created in righteousness and through holiness. And that is the garment God wants us to wear 24-7. That garment of what? Righteousness and holiness. Praise the Lord. So this righteousness and holiness that we're talking about, the next part, we're not going to get into the part, we're going to run it up here. Next time, I'll finish it. So this righteousness and holiness was not possible by man's own you know, deeds, like we're saying, by you know, keeping the law, we couldn't. So this was the main reason, you see the main reason for the grace of God. It was this grace that accomplished what we could never do on our own. And until today, living the life of a Christian is not something you can do on your own. It is just by his grace. That is why we ask couples, young ones, These young adults, if they're getting married, will ask them, if you're not born again, how are you going to handle this? All we talk about here is the Bible, what God has called you to be as a wife, and what God has called you to be as a husband. And so these are not things you can do ordinarily. You have to have the spirit of God, and by his grace, you'll be able to do those things. But your spirit is dead, and this one is alive. How is it going to work? How can two work together if they're not agreed? That is what we ask. We thank God for the grace of God. It is the grace of God that helped to accomplish what we could never do on our own, becoming the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So he is known as the Lord, our righteousness. The Lord, your righteousness. And by the grace of God, I come back next time. We start from here. Remember the topics sought. The Lord, our righteousness. Praise the Lord. Shall we pray for now? In Jesus' name. Daddy, we thank you. We just thank you for your love. It's unimaginable how much you love us. Every time you teach us the things we are missing, you bring them away, the benefits we have in you, today we're learning again about righteousness, what righteousness means to you and what it means to us, and why you want us to study this, so that we'll fully enjoy our rights as your children. Open our eyes as we study the scriptures we study these passages open our eyes illuminate the scriptures illuminate our hearts and cause us to get your mind to know what your mind is about every scripture we read that this death that christ died will not be in vain thank you father in jesus name we pray amen